Our gospel lesson comes from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 28. Let us listen again for the word of the Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. At around 3.30 p.m. on August 25th in the year 2012, Michael and I were preparing to get married. Guests were on their way, and my bridesmaids and I were outside along the street in front of a row of crepe myrtles with our photos being taken by a photographer across the street. Me and my bridesmaids were laughing and giggling and enjoying being with each other, feeling the excitement in the air. It won't surprise you to hear that Jesus showed up in those moments. It might surprise you to hear that he wore gray and carried a seven-foot cross with wheels and that he walked up Main Street right in front of my five bridesmaids and me. We have a series of photos taken by our wedding photographer to prove it, and you can see them on Facebook. (laughs) The photos show from a distance that as this figure walked, took each step past us, walked past us, he never looked up, and we all just watched him, Our bodies tipped forward in amazement and our mouths open. Caught up in the moment and the excitement, we had not realized that anyone was coming along the sidewalk until we looked up and there he was, Jesus, right there in our midst. I have to admit we didn't shout anything close to the affirmation of faith that Thomas says. None of us dropped our bouquets and followed him. Basically, with three of us being pastors and the other three being good pastor's kids, we just cracked a few jokes about a cross on wheels. But after that experience, it can be a bit easier to place myself into a story where Jesus shows up suddenly. For friends, unfortunately, the image of Jesus rarely comes down Main Street with a cross wheeling behind him. 
And yet we still have so many questions when we look at the world, at current events, and at our own lives. We have so many questions about what does it look like, the body of Christ? What does it look like in the world today? And that very question, what does it look like to see the body of Christ? What does it feel like to reach out and touch that body in this world? These are the questions that are filling our story today with Thomas and the disciples and the risen Lord. If you have ever attended worship the Sunday after Easter, you have heard this scripture. It appears every year in the lectionary. The story of how the disciples are gathering on the first day of the week and Thomas isn't there. And all of a sudden, Jesus, the one who has died, shows up in their midst. And when the disciples later tell Thomas, he refuses to believe until he can see and touch Jesus for himself. As one pastor noted, Thomas certainly picked a bad day to skip a church meeting. Throughout Lent, we talked about our disbeliefs that we wrestle with, and so as we do move on from that Lenten series, I want us to hear this story again, not as an example of Thomas's doubt, but as a portrait of Thomas's faith. Thomas is not content with just words. He doesn't want faith to come based only on statements. He wants to locate his faith in a tangible, lived reality. Thomas wants to see Jesus' wounds. He wants to know that Jesus is not a figment of the imagination or a ghostly wraith or an imposter. He wants what the others have received, an embodied experience of the risen Lord. He declares that his faith will stand for nothing less. So what does Jesus do? First, we must note Jesus does not do several things. He does not chastise Thomas right away. He does not say, too bad, and then disappear. First, Jesus says, peace, again. And peace is not about scolding or blaming. Peace is Christ's gift to his disciples who will become his church, so much so that he begins each meeting where he shows up saying, peace be with you. Second thing Jesus does is he invites Thomas to reach out and touch Christ's very wounds. He says, peace be with you, reach out your hands and believe. Jesus knows what Thomas is needing. Thomas is grieving, he is scared. He needs to reach out and touch faith in a way that goes beyond words. There are strands of Christian theology that say what we do with our bodies in worship and with profession of faith doesn't matter. It just matters what we say out loud. And the profession of faith and the affirmation of faith that we say each week together, these are very important acts of worship. And indeed, we never want faith to become a performance or a posture And we never want someone's faith to be judged based on what their body is able to do or not able to do. However, sometimes we can go so far in focusing on the right words or the right statements that we can forget that our bodies are important. We are not just brains or mouths. We are hands and legs and hearts and minds, all connected. Indeed, Sometimes faith needs to be enacted and embodied 
before it really sinks in. Jesus, in this moment with Thomas, is not pretending that the body is something to be abandoned or discarded. He is saying, here you go. Yes, it would be easier if you believed by hearing, but here you go. Reach out. Touch. This is my body, broken for you. Our bodies are how we live into the world, and we are not often happy with them. We often chafe against their imperfections and their disabilities, frustrated with the way they bring us up short. And yet, these bodies, imperfect as they are, are the ones that we have been given in order to live out our faith. I wonder if you have ever been surprised by the power of a simple physical gesture of kindness. Parker Palmer is a renowned Quaker elder whose spiritual writings have been published widely and inspire many. He writes candidly about his struggles with depression over the years. During one particular period of depression, Palmer talks about the one act that was able to touch him even when he was in the darkest of depths. In an interview, he says, There was this one friend, a Quaker elder, who came to me after asking permission to do so. Every afternoon, about four o'clock, he sat me down in a chair in the living room. He took off my shoes and my socks and massaged my feet. He hardly ever said anything, and yet out of his intuitive sense from time to time, he would say a very brief word, like, I can feel your struggle today. Or farther down the road, I feel that you're a little stronger at this moment, and I'm glad for that. But beyond that, he would hardly say anything. He wouldn't give no advice. He would simply report what he was intuiting about my condition. Somehow, with the massaging of the soles of my feet, he found the one place in my body where I could experience some connection to another human being. And this physical act kept me connected with the human race. What he mainly did for me, of course, was to be willing to be present in my suffering. He just hung in with me in this very quiet, very simple, very tactile way. And I've never been able to find the words to fully express my gratitude for that. But I know it made a huge difference. Jesus says to Thomas and to the disciples, reach out and touch these wounds because he knows Thomas needs to see them. All the disciples need to see them. Jesus' wounds and his scars do exist. After the new life of Easter, these wounds have been transformed, but they have not disappeared. When Jesus says peace, it is not because the word peace is easy for him to say, especially after the events of the past couple weeks. Indeed, it takes a lot to say peace when your new scars are pulsing red before everyone's eyes. So friends, we read the scripture and we gather together and we ask the question, where can we find the body of Christ today? 
When we, like Thomas, cry out that our faith needs some flesh and bone before we can believe, where do we go? If we look at the story, we, again, we can see that Jesus is showing us where to look for him. Not on the mountaintop, not among religious elite, not among the power players or the priests or the prophets. Jesus stands among his disciples, the scripture says. And this phrase appears over and over again in the Gospel of John. He stands among his disciples, his own poor, traveling, motley crew of women and men who just last week fell asleep and ran away and profoundly let him down. Jesus shows up standing in the midst of them. Locked doors and disbelief will not keep him away. Jesus would rather spend time with this odd collection of disciples than with all the rulers and kings of the world. When someone needs to hear the words peace and forgiveness, Christ chooses to show up there. Jesus the Christ appears in the middle of us because he is showing us that this is what the body of Christ looks like in the world. The body of Christ looks like people, imperfect people who are trying to embody love and forgiveness and peace to the whole world, even as they stumble and stutter along the way. The body of Christ looks like people who do not shy away from wounds, but instead see such wounds and scars as a reminder that we are in this together, that no one goes to the darkest valley or across the highest mountaintop on their own. When we are at our lowest, as Parker Palmer described, sometimes we need more than what's going on in our own minds. Sometimes we need, as one child put it, someone with skin on. Sometimes we need the warmth of another person's hand slipping into our own. We need the strength of encircling hug around our tired frame. We need someone else's lips saying a prayer at our side when we cannot summon the words. Sometimes we need someone to scoop food onto our empty plate or offer us a place to rest our head for the night. And sometimes we need to turn to others and offer them this embodied experience of faith. Today we baptize Jung-un and Dan. Today we are ordaining and installing deacons and elders and trustees. In each case, we invite and invited these men and women to come forward and answer questions before the whole community. These professions of faith are important. But there is a reason that we do not leave these people just on their own in the pew to make these professions, or even just in the comfort of their own home. Indeed, bodies are important. And all of the bodies in this room are important as we stand and sit and sing and profess together. Christ has shown us that. Wounds and scars Disabilities and fear and imperfections must not hold us back. And so we placed real, very real water on the head of Jong-un and Dan. 
and we will place real physical hands upon the heads and shoulders of the elders and deacons and trustees. And both these physical acts are ancient gestures of community, revealing that something important is happening here, revealing that the presence of God is resting upon this odd collection of believers. We enact both gestures embodying our faith in very real ways because we wish to reveal again that no one enters the next chapter of faith on their own. Christ is there with them. Indeed, the body of Christ is alive in the world. We have heard this truth. We can look around and begin to see and touch and know that truth in tangible ways as part of the body of believers. Jesus did not push Thomas away. Jesus invited Thomas to reach out in faith. I wonder what would happen if we, like Thomas, reach out towards the Christ that we can see and touch in the world today. I wonder what would happen if we reach out again to embody peace and forgiveness and love ourselves to people who so desperately need it. I wonder what would happen if we took this story seriously and stretched out our hands and in the days to come, daring like these men and women who will do so today, daring to take a step of faith, working once more to become the body of the living Christ in the world by the power and grace of the Holy Spirit. So friends, Christ says, peace. Christ says, reach out, touch and believe. The body of Christ is in the midst of us, is in the midst of the world. And so now, we have work to do. Let us pray. Lord, remind us that you are alive in the midst of us, and help us once more to pray the words from a saint, Saint Teresa of Avila, saying, Christ has no body but ours, no hands, no feet on earth but ours. Ours are the eyes with which he looks, compassion on this world. Ours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Ours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Ours are the hands, the feet, the eyes, and the body. We are his body. Christ has no body now but ours. And so, Lord, today we say we are yours. Amen.